You're listening to The Collected Podcast, bringing you inspiration and resources to help you discover and live from your truest self. Follow along on social media at Collected Workshops and be sure to visit thecollectedpodcast.com for show notes and to learn more. Welcome back to episode five of The Collected Podcast. We are thrilled to be back with you this week, and we are going to be sharing with you an interview with Molly Grantham of WBTV. She's a news anchor in Charlotte. She's also an author and I guess maybe a catalyst for a movement called Molly's mm-hmm. Kids. We don't know quite what to call it. I don't think Molly even does, but you'll hear more about that. Michaela, what struck you about the interview with Molly? I loved her transparency from, <laughs> yeah. from the get-go. Um, so vulnerable yeah you guys will as you listen a few minutes in um it was just very evident to me that she's a transparent person speaks her mind um and is really empowering other people to do the same um and what an what an incredible um like role she has Mm -hmm. um out in media um to be that so uh i think for me right now just in my life is it's something that i'm being challenged with just to be real you know share with people exactly where i'm at and and not sugarcoat it or not um she even refers to taking off our mask um in the talk so uh you i know you guys will be challenged as you listen to consider um how you how transparent you are with the people around you so that's great yeah Here's our interview with Molly Grantham. Hey, welcome back. We are here with Molly Grantham of WBTV. She is a news anchor in Charlotte, North Carolina, and we could not be more thrilled to have her on today. Welcome, Molly. Hi, how are you guys? Great. Great. Thank you. Um, so we know that you are into a lot of things that you have Molly's kids, you've written a book, you just did a Ted talk. Um, you are a seriously busy woman on top of all of it. You've got a beautiful family. And, um, so yeah, um, Michaela, what do you want to talk to Molly about first? Yeah, we're going to jump right in. Um, Molly, do you feel like you're currently doing, um, what you are made to do? I do. That's a, that's a crazy good question. I do. Um, I like being busy, but it's not the busy. I like storytelling. I like people. I like different things every day. I get bored easily. It's mm-hmm. not always a good thing. Um, but I think my job provides me a lot of action, and I can go as far as I want with it. I don't need to, you know, have 18-hour days every day, but I can if I want to. Yeah. And it um, provides – it's not at a desk at the same computer every day crunching numbers. I wouldn't – fit well with that. Totally. I feel you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, really lucky that I've fallen into something and I worked hard for it. It wasn't like a, a fluke or anything. I always knew I wanted to do exactly what I'm doing, but I worked hard for it and it's worked out and I've been um, lucky in a lot of ways to, to have it have it still going strong. Wow. That's awesome. I love that you just said you, you always knew what you wanted to do. Um, and I think sometimes that's, that's a challenge for us as people. Um, we have to journey and we have to discover that. But uh, how did you discover your purpose? I 
always wanted to be a newspaper reporter. <laughs> so I really wasn't, I guess, TV reporter, but I always wanted to be a newspaper reporter, even in junior high school. And wow. in high school and in college, was at the Daily Tar Heel at Chapel Hill for a little bit, nice. um, wow. not the full four years. But it was, you know, I got into broadcast journalism after I had an internship um, at a TV station in Raleigh, Durham. Uh, WTVD was the name of the station. They're still out there. They're kind of a powerhouse. But I had this internship there. And the second I walked in and I saw pictures put with the words, I love to write. And it wasn't just the words. And I was like, wow, wait a minute. It just clicked. It was like one image could tell what it might take six paragraphs to write. Mm-hmm. And in three seconds, you could show what sometimes is so hard to describe. And I still love words. I, I always say I'm in a uh, eternal affair with a written word. <laughs> I like pictures with the words, too. And this was long before social media. Social media helps that a lot as well. It's almost like scrapbooking your life away on Facebook and sometimes right. or Instagram. But it's stories and it's other people's stories. It's reports, whether they're good, tough headlines or they're inspiring headlines. It can be sort of run the gamut. And I, I just love it. I really do. And you've done that definitely in two ways, through your book and through Molly's Kids. So first, why don't you tell us a little bit about your book, Small Victories? Thank you for asking. I would love to tell you about the book. Small Victories, it's the off-camera life of an on-camera mom, Small Victories. And I did <laughs> not ever intend to write a book about parenting. I promise. Ever, never, ever. <laughs> <laughs> I have big of writing a book some brilliant prose or fiction, and this was <laughs> this was not it. But mm-hmm. when I had my daughter, Parker, she's seven now, when I was pregnant with her, I was in sort of the highlight of my career, and I felt like I was doing all these cool things, and I did not know I was pregnant, actually, um, at first, wow. for almost the first three months. Mm-hmm. And so, so I was a little idiotic, but I was um, <laughs> <laughs> not prepared for this. Mm-hmm. And I wanted children someday. I just never thought there was going to be, like, this right time. And I kept thinking, no, I'm doing this, and I'm doing that, and I'm doing this. And then all of a sudden, the decision was sort of made for me. Mm-hmm. And when I had her, I didn't talk about her that much. And I um, loved her, and I learned to parent, but I went right back to work um, after maternity leave was over, and I got right into things. I never really showed pictures. didn't really talk about her. And, again, loved her, but really tried to hold on to this person I had always been. And this go get a Molly and this bulldog journalist and, you know, dog on a bone type thing with stories. And then I had another child years later, Hutch. He's now four. And I tried to do the same thing, but with two kids and on maternity leave with a three and a half year old and like a week old, I couldn't. I just couldn't. I couldn't be me. And I Mm -hmm. missed me. Yeah. And I missed like the me that was in editorial meetings and talking about headlines and waking up and completely involved in what's going on in our community. And I, really missed it and everywhere you turn as a very like new mom with young kids nobody was saying it was okay to miss your job mm-hmm. and nobody was saying it's okay to miss parts of yourself whether you're a stay-at-home mom or working mom doesn't matter it's just more like missing parts of yourself and part yeah. of me worked my job and I missed it so much and so I started writing on Facebook these weekly posts mm-hmm. um just without even trying it it was kind of nuts it was like he was six days old and I remember thinking wow I showered today like, that's all I did. I showered. Great job, though. Yeah. <laughs> it was like a small victory to shower. And so I put that out there, small victory. I showered today, and then I put the phone down. And, and um, honestly, I came back a couple hours later, and people got it. Yeah. And the Facebook community was like, oh, yeah, we got it. That's okay. And so the next week, I put something else out on time management on how it takes, you know, 25 minutes to do a five-minute errand because you have two car seats and baby bag and all this other crap. And it's like... <laughs> You know, week three was something else. Week four, I just kept going. And when I went back to work, 
after 12 weeks, I had to start doing months, you know, month four, month five, month six. And the book ended up being week one up to month 30. Wow. And it wasn't until like month 28 or 29, I thought, I think I have something here. And I re-edited it and had it obviously professionally done. And it was not just cut and pasting Facebook posts. It was much more involved. It was <laughs> sure. sort of like I had a shell of my, of my memories of trying to remember me and still be me while raising two small kids. And I'm still doing it. I had month 48 mm-hmm. this month. Wow. That is so encouraging. Um, I'm a mom. I have two two girls and currently almost 16 and 12. And I still feel the small victories. Like when my when my teenager wants to give me a hug, feels like a small victory some days, you know, like because mm-hmm. they're so big and they're so grown now. And and you know, if we have if we have just a, an argument free day between sisters, that's a small victory. So I 100% understand, and I don't feel like that's ever going to stop for you. And I love that you're present to it. No, I yeah. think it's okay to recognize that small victories don't need to be awards or corporate, you know, acknowledgments. It can be showering or having your girls give each other a hug. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's not, that that's still on the table. Giving each other a hug. <laughs> I'm not sure about that yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe one day. Oh my <laughs> gosh. That's funny. Yeah. I, I love the simplicity of what you started to do um, mm-hmm. and how trans, like it, it was transparent mm-hmm. um, and people were drawn to that. I think that's really amazing. So props to you and all the moms. Yeah. Um, I'm not one yet, but yeah. I mean, I think that that's really powerful when you can connect in that way and just be transparent, like a shower. Yeah, I did it. You know, like that's really incredible. Some of the best compliments have come, and you know, it is a little provocative to say some of the things I said. The first line of the book is, "I sometimes like working more than I like being a mom." Mm. I wonder how many of you now think something horrible about me. I wonder mm. how many you understand. Wow. And so, you know, I did get a lot of, of pushback, but some of the best compliments have come from men who are like, "I'm single, I have no kids, and I love reading this," or from women that aren't moms yet or aren't married yet. I love this. Mm-hmm. And that to me is like, oh, it's crossing. It's not speaking to this niche audience. It's universally interesting yeah. to people because it is very honest. It's not always pretty. I'm very yeah. honest. And yeah. so thank you for saying that, for not having mm-hmm. kids and still saying you like the transparency. That's yeah. good. So um, you you recently kind of transitioning uh, a little bit here, speaking of how wonderfully honest and vulnerable you are, you recently posted on social media um, about how your family responded to some ugly headlines. And I just wondered if you wouldn't mind sharing what's on your mind about all that. Oh, I'd love to share about it. Um, so there's been a lot in our world, right? Mm-hmm. And I live and breathe headlines every day. And the headlines just even... Um, three or four in a row that had happened was the synagogue massacre. And then you had the viral video of the drunk white woman harassing two black women in the South Charlotte parking lot of where they mm. live. And yeah. then the day before that, I was live all day with this man who was staunchly Republican, and he sent explosives to 13 different people, mostly Democrats, some media, with mm-hmm. different ideology than his own. Mm-hmm. And yes, I have my life, and I have my family, and I'm completely involved in their lives. <laughs> second grade projects and a home and let, but then I'm also always living in these very big, heavy thoughts of headlines. And it just had worked out that we had been invited to a church in York County, South Carolina, right over the border from Gaston County called Weeping Mary Baptist Church. And, um, beautiful name. It is a pretty name. And I don't, and I'll be very honest. I don't regularly go to church. We, um, 
do feel like we have faith in our family, but I am not the person that is there every single Sunday. And so they invited us because of breast cancer and my connection to the cause and what I do with Tom and Charlotte. And one of mm-hmm. the survivors on our WBTV News team, Molly, has been on the team for seven or eight years. And her uh, husband is pastor of this church. And she said, we do a big pink Sunday and we celebrate survivors in our congregation. I'd love mm-hmm. for you to come and help educate and listen to the testimonies. I think you'd appreciate it. So it was set up already before the headlines were happening. Mm-hmm. So I said, great, I was going to run down there, and I decided after these headlines, I'm going to take Parker and Hutch, and our family's going to go and sit in this church that is very different, I already knew, than what they were used to. And what they're used to is a formal, quiet, traditional service, mm-hmm. which is fine. But what we got when we got there was a loud, fun, dancing, kid-oriented, yes. live music, songs, you know, arms up in the air, and I'd walked in with these cluttered headlines about a world that feels increasingly divisive. Mm-hmm. And I walked out thinking, faith comes in all forms, skin color should never define, and you can believe in different things and not want to hurt those who think differently than you. Amen. And it was just being and getting out of the bubble that you mm-hmm. sometimes find yourself in, in your community, and your people, and your school, and your church, and your work, blah, 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 and like crossing over... Um, a border, like literally crossed over the state border <laughs> to York yeah. County, South Carolina because of a open-armed invitation and mm-hmm. the people there that were just reminding me that real life is also filled with good people who teach love for the human race. Yes, and um, it was really great. It was great because my four-year-old Hutch was, you know, by the end jumping up and down in the pew dancing. Yes. Never reacted <laughs> to any sort of message before like that. Oh. Um, we usually have to try and keep him still. And then the seven-year-old grabbed my phone, we, um, grabbed lunch afterwards, it took him up to, like, fire ourselves or something, and she grabbed my phone afterwards and stealthily texted Angel, who was the pastor's wife, the survivor, and she said something like, thank you for inviting me to the church. It was awesome. Wow. I That's know. so great. She's never written a text like that. And, again, it isn't that it was the most – it wasn't about religion as much as it was about opening your eyes. Yeah. And getting out of your comfort zone. And I just thought that was so unique. So I ended up writing about it um, unexpectedly. So I wasn't planning on it. It just sort of felt like I had to get it out of my head. Well, I love that because we those are two concepts that are central to collected workshops, um, which are the workshops that we do with folks from all kinds of communities, helping them get in touch with their identity and purpose and calling. Mm-hmm. And so we, we definitely talk about how it's so... Um, it's so important to live with open hands and to be faithful with what's in front of us. And I feel like that's what you and your family did this week. And it was, it was beautiful. The result was beautiful. The result was beautiful. And you know, then we wake up and then there's more headlines that come at you right down the road. It's not really stopping, but I think holding on to a sense of peace and remembering that we're all just human is very, very important. Yeah. I think too, when we're willing to step into some, like to somebody else's experience, um, we get surprised and we actually get to, I mean, there's, there's so much goodness that comes from it. Um, when we're willing to step outside of what we know and kind of the way that we do life, um, on a regular basis. And Mm so I just think your, that experience with your family is indicative of that. And, um, it's just, it's beautiful when we're willing to just step out and, you know, experience something different or new or, um, so, and even under, just understand, understand someone else's, mm-hmm. uh, culture or yep. experience. And, um, another 
stealthy transition, if you ask me. You, <laughs> you also, um, you have Molly's Kids. And how do you describe Molly's Kids? Um, that's a way that you, you definitely step in and gain perspective from other human stories. Do you call that an organization, a movement? How do you describe it? And would you tell us about it? Yes, I'd love to tell you about it. I don't know what I call it. It's not an organization. It's not a foundation. It's not a 501c3. I collect no money. So I, maybe it's a movement. It's sort of just this awesome group that I write about kids and lift them up in our area who face uphill medical battles. And sometimes they end up as TV stories. More often than not, they're Facebook. I've been doing it for six or seven years now. It happened very organically. It was never, ever, sometimes people say, like, oh, this is something the station makes you do. It was never anything the station asked me to do. In fact, for years I was doing it, I don't even think they realized what was growing. <laughs> um, you know, there's just a lot of stuff going on. We have 13 live shows a day. Like, what I'm doing on Facebook with the hashtag Molly's Kids is not maybe their top priority, um, which I understand. But I just wanted to do it. It was, you know, one family would write me about a child, and I would tell a story about a local kid. It's always in the 24 counties that are watching us. I have to sort of limit it that way because it's gotten to be sort of big and overwhelming. But, um, you know, just with a natural medical battle, it doesn't have to be cancer. It doesn't have to be a genetic disease. It doesn't have to be deadly. It, you know, it, it, it could be in a child with autism. It could be born a preemie and now succeeding, you know, with developmental delays. It could be having a heart condition. It, there's just runs the gamut and parents have to write me. So I get all these well-intended um, teachers or neighbors are like, oh, you should write about this kid down the street. And I always say, that's great. Have the parent email me mm-hmm. because I never want to tell a story unless the parent wants that child's story told. A lot of families don't want that aired or told, and that's fine. That's, so that's completely fine. But it's if the family wants some attention for their child that has gone through a lot of stuff, I say I tell the good, the bad, the all is real, mm-hmm. so whatever it is, and then I will write about them. And mm-hmm. they can spread so fast. They have spread so fast. And the, the Molly's Kids, I guess, movement, that's a good word for it. Um, it. It's just people sort of look for them. They share them. They network through them. So if there's a child that needs a certain wheelchair in Hickory, I can write about that. And then all of a sudden, a family out in Lincoln County will say, oh, I've got one. And I wow. can connect them. There was one time a, a, a boy needed a liver. And mm-hmm. I wrote about him and a man in Louisiana, a father of four, saw it, came to Charlotte, gave him a liver, and saved his oh life. Wow. I know. It's amazing. And, again, those are really major, major examples, but sometimes it's just the daily stuff. I put one out, even this morning, um, about this darling little girl. She has Down syndrome. She's nine months old. She is, like, the cutest thing you've ever seen. Diva oh in the middle. Bow, bracelet, the whole bit. Her mom is hysterical. <laughs> but, um, you know, and it's that she's doing really well and that her case of Down syndrome isn't as severe as the mom says as others, but yet she still has all these obstacles. And it's just sure. like, give them a little light, you know, show these yeah. kids and these families that people are listening to them. That is so good. And um, so could what's – where do we find Molly's kids? You said mostly on Facebook and sometimes yes, – Mostly on Facebook page. It's um, so Facebook and then I'm WBTV Molly Grantham. Okay, And the great. stories are just – sporadic it's not like every Wednesday at six it's whenever I want to so last week I think I had five but the two weeks before that I didn't have one because I didn't have time to do them mm-hmm. um in September I do 30 kids 30 stories 30 days and that is one story a day for 30 days on pediatric cancer for pediatric cancer awareness month so if you would go back to the photos of the Facebook page you would find 30 posts you know one every morning for cancer wow. but 
It's, so it's kind of crazy, but they also get put on WBT.com, and sometimes, as I said, there are TV stories, so they're just sort of around, and I always link them with the hashtag Molly's Kids. Okay, great. Your body is the God-given vessel for your soul, mind, heart, and spirit while you're here on this earth. Our bodies must be cared for in order for us to be our best selves. How we're doing physically affects how we show up for those we love. Remember, at Collected, we know that self-care is not selfish. But knowing how to care for our physical bodies in the right way can be challenging. Having the tools, knowledge, and time is crucial. Katie Dixon, owner of Katie Fit in Block Charlotte, is your daily resource for education and inspiration that will help you care for your body. Follow her on Instagram at Katie Katie. That's at K-A-D-I-K-A-T-I-E. As a gift to the Collected Podcast listeners, Katie's offering a one-month trial at either of her studios. Follow at Katie Fit and Lake Norman. That's at K-A-D-I-F-I-T or at block.clt in Charlotte. That's at B-L-O-C dot C-L-T. DM her for details on the special offer. So I've noticed that um, you you are what we would call a collected woman because, because you are bravely taking just one step as it comes and and kind of getting outside your comfort zone in a way that allows you to step into something bigger than you expected when you initially were like, okay, I'm going to put this one small victory out there or I'm going to spotlight this one kid. And now both of those things have grown into something beyond you. And that is incredible. So that's amazing. I'm so, so glad that we were able to get a chance to have a conversation with you. The last thing we wanted to ask you about was your TED Talk. You had a TEDx. Yeah, but it's not live yet, is it? We can't view it yet. No, I can't wait to see it. I have no idea. what. I mean, I don't even know. (laughs) When does it? I haven't seen it yet. Um, When does it go live? It was such a challenge because I don't know. I've always loved TEDx Talks or TED Talks. Um, Oh, yeah. TEDx means it's regional, so it was a Charlotte TED Talk, basically. Mm -hmm. And um, it was quite the process. I mean, yeah. it's quite the process. I don't know if Tell you've us ever about it. been interested in, in doing a TED Talk or thinking about it or watching them online or YouTube, but I mean, it was way more than I ever thought it would be. That is actually a secret dream of mine. Is it? Oh, <laughs> Main stage TED, though. <laughs> it's worth it. One it's day. It. Good. What's the process yeah. like for you? Well, the collective is a good thought. You could run with that one. Hey. Um, I... What was it like? So you audition, you apply, and they had a bunch of applications, and then they... They chose 140 people to audition in May, and so you had to go into this room, and it was very nerve-wracking. There's like a little camera, like a, almost like a, like on a tripod. I mean, I'm in front of cameras all the time, and yeah. I totally nerve-wracked. And then they chose oh, boy. 17 people or something to move on and be finalists, and then by the time we all got on stage October 12th, it was down to 12. Um, because you have coaching all summer, and they give you coaches, and they really help, but they make you work on it every week. And... That's it's intense. It's intense. It's intense because I ad lib a lot and I'm on stage a lot and it's okay and I just talk. Yeah. yeah. This was much more of a performance, much more of a scripted. I don't want to say memorized because you're relaying mm-hmm. thoughts. You're not necessarily memorizing a script, but it is somewhat of like a you need to know from point A to B to C to D. And it was just a really great, challenging experience. Uh, my talk was called The Real We Are. 
And I base it on the roles we play versus the real we are, especially for women. Um, You know, I think everybody in a professional sense, men have to sometimes wear a suit and tie or, you know, look a certain way. But for women, we're just judged so much more harshly. And it's so important to uh, play this role or you can't even be worthy enough to be in the room. But the real we are is always very different. And then my job's an extreme, right? Mm -hmm. So I have the costume and the armor and the makeup and everything every single day but the real I am is like jeans and cowgirl boots so the difference of that and how to make sure that you're sort of some lessons at the end of the talk three things I think we can all do to sort of keep the real we are out there more Mm-hmm. Look, are you going to give them to us or no to the TED talk yeah well, okay I, we'll listen to it we'll listen to it <laughs> but when but can we listen to it one for sure one okay one yeah I just think women we need to take our masks off more totally you know and I'll I'll do it on Facebook or Instagram, but but show the real self, not the mm-hmm. Instagram filter, not the concealer and the eyes that are popping and the lipstick, because I mean, we're literally putting on something that's called concealer to right. conceal parts of ourselves before we think it's great enough to put out there. Yeah, that's, that's nuts. It is nuts. You know, and I think taking off the mask and part of that point was, and men help us. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! You know, so yeah, yeah, that's yeah. That's wow. Part of it. Yeah. I cannot wait to hear this talk. Me too. <laughs> Thank you. I bet. Yeah. I know. That's crazy to wait. have to wait to be able to see it yourself. Yeah. Molly, what would be your advice for our lis- our listeners like as they're pursuing their purpose in life and, you know, seeking after the things that they're passionate about? What would be some advice that you would give um, to them? Well, I guess just to be true to yourself. You know, mm-hmm. and if it feels right, it probably is, even if it's hard and slow. Um, so going to get to where you think you need to be. But if you feel like that's what you need to be doing, you need to be doing that. Mm-hmm. And that's good that advice. It's not, it's not, I mean, it sounds cliche to say it's not always easy, but it doesn't always happen instantly. And right. it's a tough, you know, tough thing to live with. Patience is a virtue, really. And I, I think yeah. just knowing that you're doing the right thing, I never thought Molly's kids would be, growing to what it was or what it has become and hopefully there's more to it in the future but it's just sort of doing I just thought that was the right thing to be doing you know and I over the path of time with the TED talk I thought what am I doing why am I even doing and then it was like no that was the right thing to do and even with the book it never was going to be a book until it was almost done right Um, you know like sometimes if you're doing things you feel like are right for you and they feel good to you to be doing the Mm -hmm. purpose of them will come at the end Totally. That's, That's perfect. One thing that um, is a running theme for the three of us, um, Michaela, Jess, Tia, um, that our leading collected is that we all said yes before we knew what we were saying yes to. So one step at a time, we've gotten to where we are today and none of us saw any of this coming. And so I I love it. I love courageous people who are willing to just keep taking steps one after another. So thank you so much for taking time to talk with us today, Molly. You are just exactly the kind of person we know our listeners need to hear from. Oh, beautifully. thank you. That's a compliment. Well, thank you. Beautifully I'm really honored you wrote and reached out, so thank you. Yeah. Uh, yes, I do want to mention the Facebook page, if I can, again. Please do. Stories and the families want their stories out there, so I always want to promote that. But it's um, the WBTV's Molly Grantham on Facebook. Perfect. And if you have any questions on the book stuff, the actual book, it's mollygrantham.com. 
Okay, great. And we're going to put all of your information in your bio and links to everything in the show notes. So guys, go and definitely check out the show notes to find all of that there. Thank you. You guys are a breath of fresh air. I really appreciate the call. Thank you. Take care, Molly. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Man, what a powerful interview. Molly is an incredible woman. Mm-hmm. I am so thrilled that we had a chance to talk to her. Me too. I've never met her in person. Me and either, I, was, I have a feeling. One day. One day. We'll know her. One Molly. Day. Molly. We want to meet you. <laughs> face to face. <laughs> yes. Um, so the thing that really stuck out to me that I feel like God has impressed upon me over and over and over again over the last couple of years is this idea of being faithful with what's in front of us. And so you listeners who are out there, uh, I want to encourage you, what is it that's in front of you that if you will be faithful with it, if you will take it and you will walk in it and just take that one step, uh, what is that thing that God could actually take further than you can even imagine today? Mm-hmm. So pray, ask God to reveal to you what it is that you need to be faithful with in your life. And we'll be praying alongside you and uh, say yes. Tell us your story. Yeah. Give Go give God it. your yes. <laughs> and maybe one day you're going to end up with a book or something like Molly's Kids or who knows what, an, a news anchor. Um, but your dream is yours. That nudge that you're receiving from Holy Spirit can only be felt by you. So we would love, love, love to hear your stories of giving your yes, or if someone decides after hearing this to take a step, email us at hello at collectiveworkshops.com and tell us your story and we promise we'll reply. So yeah, have a great week. We'll see you back here next Thursday. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Collected Podcast. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. And if you like what you've heard, we'd love it if you would spread the word. You can follow Collected on social media at Collected Workshops. You can also find Tia at Tia McNelly Notes and Jess at Spreza Foundry. Check back for weekly episodes dropping every Thursday.